Subtitle is made possible in part by a major grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities, exploring the human endeavor. Hub and Spoke. Audio Collective. The first time I recall hearing Finnish spoken was in 2002 when I went to see this film. Man Without a Past is an offbeat Finnish film, to say the least. I'm not proud to admit this, but I left the theater thinking, those Norwegians are kind of weird. I learned my lesson a few years later when I met this guy, a lanky dude from Finland named Sauli. Listener, I married him, and I knew I was really into Sauli when I thought, I want to learn this not very useful language that's famously hard for an English speaker, and which is only spoken in one tiny cold country. Since that time, Sauli has made a few appearances on this show, sharing his thoughts for stories that focus on his fatherland and mother tongue. Finlandia is the sort of unofficial national anthem of Finland. But for this episode, the tables have turned. He has a few questions for me. Hey, how about we just take some time every week and learn a little Finnish? I'll help you. Should we do it? My intentions were good when Sauli and I met. I meant it when I said I wanted to learn Finnish. But there was always an excuse. A lack of incentive to learn it while we were living in the U.S., work, life, you've heard it all. I thought I'd get a start once we became parents, but no surprise. Our daughter outpaced me when she was still a toddler. She's six now, and she speaks Finnish like this. It helps that we moved to Finland last year. And for my part, I was sure that this would be it. I would start learning Finnish right away. Here I am, the day after we arrived in Finland. Okay. Finnish courses, pistafi.fi. Helsinki. Once again, my intentions were so good. But I'd find a beginner's class that worked for my schedule only to see that it was full, or I'd sign up for a class and it would get canceled for low enrollment. Night classes weren't an option because I often had evening meetings with US colleagues. Then there was getting through my first Finnish winter, plus COVID closures. All of this on top of the fact that Finnish is just tough for an English speaker to learn. And generally speaking, Finns speak great English, especially here in Helsinki. In fact, the week after we arrived, the mayor of Helsinki made international news for suggesting that Helsinki could declare itself an English-language city. The mayor wants foreigners to relocate to the city for the sake of the economy. So he's got an idea. Make English an official language there. You can easily get by in the Finnish capital without learning Finnish. Some people move here and never really learn it. But here I am co-hosting a show about languages and the people who speak them. It's embarrassing that I haven't really tried to learn the language of the country where I've chosen to live. So this episode is my personal confession. It's a promise to do better, 
and a chance to hear from others who've climbed this linguistic mountain. From Quiet Juice and the Linguistic Society of America, I'm Kavita Pillay, and this is Subtitle, Stories of Languages and the People Who Speak Them. Or, who don't speak them yet. Covey, hello, are you there? Hey, Patrick, hold on one second. I'm listening to Michelle Obama speak Finnish. <laughs> okay, she's a woman of many talents, but I didn't know that extended to speaking Finnish. Well, Finnish words are coming out of her mouth, but that's because she's been dubbed. This is Waffles and Mochi. It's this American children's show about cooking and food, and Michelle Obama is in it, and it's been dubbed into Finnish so that kids here can watch it. And I just find it highly amusing to watch Michelle Obama dubbed in Finnish. By the way, they're talking about salt. Suola. Oh, so how much of this can you understand? Well, uh, I understood suola, but, you know, it's a children's show, so the vocabulary is pretty easy, and I watch it with the English subtitles on, which helps, but I'm mostly watching it because it's about all I can handle after a full day of work, and I can watch it with my daughter. We both enjoy it, and I've been told by people who know about these things that it's important to find ways to enjoy learning the language. I would say that exposing yourself to language in every way that you enjoy and you find motivating, that's probably the most important thing. Ah, so who's this? This is Henna Makkonen-Craig. She's one of three people who I went to for advice about my own quest to learn Finnish. And on the personal side, Henna knows what it's like to learn a new language. I did English at school, Swedish and some German as well. But later on, I learned a little bit of Russian, also Estonian. I tried Spanish. I started a Japanese course, but didn't really have time for it. Portuguese, just by my own. Currently, I'm interested in learning some Greek and Ukrainian. Oh my goodness, so many languages. Yes. So on the professional side, Henna is a senior language specialist at Kotimaisten Kielten Keskus, which translates as the Institute for the Languages of Finland. It's called Kotus for short. All right, so is that like the Académie Française in France, like like a body that tries to regulate the language, make sure that new words aren't all of them just borrowed from English and other languages? Not with such a heavy hand. Finns and Kotus are more open to loan words from English. But if a new word is entering the dictionary, Kotus helps ensure that it follows the grammar and spelling of the Finnish language. And the origins of Finnish date back millennia. In a way, we look in the past and we look for the future. So that includes everything from preserving samples of 20th century Finnish dialects to producing bilingual dictionaries for new immigrants in languages like Somali and Kurdish, to promoting democracy itself. Okay, that's my overblown American way of putting it. But here in Finland, one way of promoting democracy is by making sure that public documents are written in a way that everyone can understand them in clear Finnish, like tax forms. Finnish tax forms are very clear, and my little American mind has been blown by that. 
And this is, of course, it's extremely vital for our small society. We really <laughs> rely upon each other so that the society works. For me, this gets at one of the more emotionally based reasons that I'd like to learn Finnish. It is this small society. There's a lot to admire about this place. And learning the language feels like something I can do to show my gratitude for the privilege of living in a well-functioning democracy where things work and people are happier than any place else. Yeah, I've heard all of those stories about the happy Finns. But also, there's the stories more recently about how Finland shares an 800-mile border with Russia, which right now has got to be kind of nerve-wracking. I think my friend Betni puts it best. She is the second person I went to for advice, and I paid her a visit at her apartment in the Ullanlinna neighborhood of Helsinki. To my right, I am currently looking out above the back of the Russian embassy. That's what's outside our window, <laughs> one of our views. Bethany Coughlin and I are both Americans. We're around the same age. We both moved to Helsinki within a few weeks of one another, and we both had the same trepidation about moving here. My one hesitation about moving to Finland was sharing a border with Russia. I'm quite surprised that the situation has changed as quickly as it has and that my fear was founded. Currently, I would say we do feel safe. I do feel safe. Part of really what's helping in this time right now is having this routine of learning Finnish. It just means that I'm holding on to something. Unlike me, Bethany started learning Finnish full force via online classes, and she started a year before she arrived in Finland. Katsua, katson, puhua, puhun, soita, soitan, syödä, syyn, juoda, juon. Just went through basically the infinitive of each verb and then the first person how to conjugate it. So when I'm having trouble, how do you conjugate verb type one? Oh, go back to the song and then I'll tell you, you just pair it up with that. It's one method of learning it. Bethany and her husband were living in California, but had long dreamed of living in Europe. And lucky for her, she was able to apply for residency. I have Finnish ancestry. My great-grandparents came over to America, went over to America in 1905-1906, and that is my connection. I was able to get a four-year residency visa based on my ancestry connection. Patrick, guess how many times Bethany had been to Finland before she moved here? I don't know. It sounds like a bunch of times. Zero times. Wow. She and her husband, yeah, they moved here sight unseen. They enrolled in a Finnish immersion course, and the day after they arrived, they had their first class. We're in this major culture shock, and we're still jet-lagged, actually. But we knew that from 9 to noon, we were going to finish class four days a week. And it was really great to have that something. Again, it was a routine. It was something to hold on to in the middle of chaos. And she stuck to it, class after class, in person and online, in groups and one-on-one, -on -one, with books and apps and video chat. Bethany takes a class six to seven days a week. Wow, that is hardcore. It is. It's not easy work. It's, it's a practice. It's routine. The improvement is very slow. Also, there's something reassuring in coming back to it again and again and then seeing progress 
really in months and years, it's what it takes. So it's it's just, it's building a practice and an art. It's it's an art learning a language, it really is. Oh, she really has a lovely voice. Yes. Bethany is a Juilliard-trained mezzo-soprano and a professional opera singer. Oh, no wonder. I think I heard, I definitely heard French and some English in there. What, what else, what other languages were there? Yep, there was a, also a bit of Bethany singing in Russian and Italian, but she's also sung in Hebrew, Czech, Spanish. I can sing in a lot of different languages. Of course, I translate and understand what it is I'm singing because it's my job to be able to convey what it is I'm saying and how I'm feeling this character. It sounds pretty glamorous. It is glamorous. And I wondered, how does the glamour of life as a professional opera singer compare to the rigor of learning Finnish? Bethany says they're not so different. The mundaneness of having to learn those sounds and, and literally how to teach the technique of my tongue to make a French U and to be able to sing U and hold that and be able to emote at the same time and pay attention to stage directions and pay attention to, oh, I'm supposed to face this way to the audience. Oh, that's right. And I'm supposed to be singing about, I'm mad at somebody right now. At the same time, it's it's <laughs> all these pieces that come together. And so I feel like there is a lot of that beginning hard work and putting in the time again and again and again and redo, 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 practice, practice, practice. They're very similar to me. And apparently I like the work. So Patrick, here's something that's true of many languages, but one of the challenges of learning Finnish is that you have to learn two versions of the language at once. There's puhekieli, which means spoken Finnish. Then there's Kiriakieli, which means book finish. The day that I found out that they don't speak this way, instead they use puhekieli, I I cried many tears. You know, I thought, well, why why am I even doing this? You know, why why are they teaching it? Why are they teaching it this way to us? I think I was about six months in when I had really understood that. It's already intimidating. And then to have that, oh, you mean I have to learn a second language, a second difficult language on top of this? Yeah, that was that was difficult. If it wasn't difficult, I would probably be bored and move on to something that did challenge me. I also cried a lot in my career of singing, and yet I've stuck with it and continued to do it. Uh, there, there has to be something Maybe the fact that it even takes me to those emotions, that it it's interesting where it's like, oh wow, this gets a rise out of me. Let's explore this. Why? Why, why is that creating this emotion in me? Bethany is my first real friend here and her incredibly disciplined approach to learning this language that neither of us may ever become fluent in 
that's just one way that she's an inspiration to me. I'm also inspired by how much fun she's having with it. Being a professional singer, there's a lot of pressure to be perfect in performance and learning a new thing. It's you can't be perfect. Like that that pressure's gone. So for me in my mind, it just like it's fun. And I'm I'm quite shocked at how much fun I'm actually having. So I wanted to know what advice she'd give someone like me. She says, just get started. For me, what has worked has been the accountability. I had a lesson once a week and she helped with the organization on, okay, this is how we're going to start learning it with the level that you need. And then I began to add more hours. My advice for you would be find a teacher and just start once a week. I think it will make you crave more. Ah, yes, find a teacher. That's easier said than done, right? Did she have recommendations for how to find a really good one-on-one -on -one teacher? She's got a list of teachers on a language learning website for me to try, so I'm going to start there. And there are other groups of people coming here from many parts of the world. Another woman's linguistic adventures in Finland. That's after the break. Thanks to everyone who signed up to receive our newsletter. And thanks to those who've emailed us to say how much they enjoy reading it. Have you signed up yet? We promise something that's not going to clog your inbox. You'll get a new edition every other week. It's a quick, fun read with our take on language-themed stories in the news. We also give you a sneak preview of what's coming up in future episodes. And if that sounds like it would add just a bit of je ne sais quoi to your life, sorry, I don't know the Finnish equivalent, go ahead and sign up at subtitlepod.com slash newsletter. That's subtitlepod.com slash newsletter. Patrick, are you familiar with this thing that people in certain northern countries do where they suck in air while they speak? Yeah, kind of, although... <laughs> Because I don't do it, I'm not that familiar with it. But I do know that, like, in Scotland they do it, right? The, yeah. What's it called? The, the Gallic gasp? Yes. Oh, so gasp is a good way to describe it. A lot of Finns do it. So I've been asking Finnish speakers about it. Ah, uh, this is so hard to explain. But for a long time, I didn't even realize that we do this. This is Sara. She studies philology at the University of Helsinki. Oh, philology. Yeah, that's like studying how languages have evolved over time, right? Yes, and I wondered whether there was any meaning to this Finnish way of saying yes, yes, but going yo, yo, yo. Oh, the sucking, right. Kind of like yo, 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 yo. Like we can just, you know, repeat ourselves. It's such a habit, and Sara's been speaking this language basically since she could speak, so she does it without thinking about it. We're just agreeing so fast that we're just like, taking a breath while we're here. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, right. Language is so much more than just the words. Right. There are these seemingly small things that you can't necessarily explain that reflect how attuned you are, not just to the language, but to what it means to be a Finnish speaker and to be Finnish. And when Sara talks about being a Finnish speaker, she says, we do this. We're taking a breath while inhaling. But when she talks about being Finnish, that's where it gets more complex. I see myself as Finnish, but I know that others won't necessarily see me as Finnish. 
and people will remind me that I'm not Finnish. And sometimes people say to me, you're Finnish citizen, but you're not Finnish. And, you know, they would go on to this like explanation why I'm not. And so I feel like sometimes out of easiness, I don't want to say I'm Finnish because of the fact that it opens room for people to come and deny my Finnishness, you know? Why would her Finnishness be in question? Sada wasn't born in Finland. She came here as a refugee. And she was Finland's 2021 Female Refugee of the Year. She's grown up here. She's fluent in Finnish. She feels Finnish. But some Finns aren't willing to accept her Finnishness. This actually forms about me if I'm Finnish or not. People commenting and that's... But she's not Finnish though. And you know, my Finnishness is in question. Here's Sara on Finnish public television. She's saying that she's grateful for the opportunity and that she feels a bit of pressure to represent a vulnerable community well. Sara's full name is Sara al-Husseini and her family's from Iraq. My father was quite vocal about being against the regime at the time. They didn't take that well. He was imprisoned in Abu Ghraib. Then he was released. After he was released, he just continued on. Meaning that he just continued criticizing the regime, Saddam Hussein's regime, despite the fact that he'd been thrown into Abu Ghraib prison. Even that didn't stop him. Right, and it got pretty bad for the whole family. He was expressing his discontent with the regime very vocally in a very poetic sense, which could grab attention. And that was the thing that they feared. And then it reached to a level where they, like, our lives were at stake. Sara and her family arrived in Finland when she was just a month old. And as Sara and her siblings got older, one of the many challenges of being refugees here was one that many children of refugees and immigrants can relate to. They became interpreters between their parents and the Finnish-speaking adults in their lives. It's very hard to use every term or like translate every term into Arabic because you're still learning Arabic and you're still learning Finnish. It was kind of like a moment where you realize you have to grow up in that moment. Well, I'm glad that there's more discussion about using kids as translators because they shouldn't be taking that role. Children are children and refugee and immigrant children should be viewed as as children and not, not used as translators. I grew up hearing Arabic and then when I went outside I heard Finnish and you know at school we had we spoke Finnish and actually quite early on we used to watch a lot of TV and English entered the our household and we were watching like all cartoons and movies and and you know most of it was like American TV shows and such so through that we kind of ended up learning English quite fast actually I want to help people. Like, I want to utilize my language skills. I want to help people. Actually, starting a new job um, soon. This job is about helping immigrant women and people who come from different backgrounds navigate Finland and, like, apply for language courses. So I feel, like, very comfortable with this 
line of work because I've been doing it since I was a kid. Like, it, it comes naturally for me. Sada and I are of different generations. We have very different life experiences. We arrived in this country in very different ways. But I sense that she would understand this one hesitation I have about trying to learn Finnish, which I haven't shared with a ton of people, but I've thought about it a lot. I feel this like as a visibly brown person in Finland, I sometimes do this mental calculation where I think, do I just want to speak English and sound like a competent foreigner, a competent outsider? Or do I want to stumble in Finnish and be like a vulnerable brown immigrant? Like, what do I have energy for today? And quite often, I don't have the energy to be a vulnerable brown immigrant. And I also feel like, because I grew up, it's exhausting. I just want to be clear that I have a lot of privileges here. I have an American passport. I'm married to a Finnish citizen. And I absolutely came here of my own choice. But I know that learning this language is going to require me to get vulnerable and uncomfortable and make lots of mistakes in public with strangers. And Sara gets it. You're like trying to prove yourself all the time that, yes, I am capable. Yes, I am good enough. Yes, I am here. Watch me, pick me, choose me. Please give me the same opportunity you would give someone else. If you are brown or black and you're struggling to communicate in the new language that you're desperately trying to pick up, then people might just think that you don't know and they don't see the complexity behind you as a person. I love that Sada is a student of philology and the history of language because she's also ready to break the rules and free herself of this pressure to be perfect when it comes to language. Like when somebody finger wags at her for a spelling mistake on social media, she's not here for it. I feel like, especially with refugees and immigrants, you're expected to be perfect. And that correlates in the way we use language. We expect immigrants to write perfectly. When I'm writing on social media and someone writes me, you wrote or spelled this wrong. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? Grade me badly? Like, what are you going to do? So I try to break that because I feel like there's so many social constructions already. So if I can bend and break something differently in language, then I will try my best to do so. So Kavi, after hearing from Sara and from Bedney, Are you more or less determined, do you think, to learn Finnish? Hmm. I don't know if I'm more determined, but I think I feel more free. You know, in very different ways, these are two women who have felt intense pressure to be perfect. And they've both done amazing work in the public eye, very critical public eye. And what I hear them saying to themselves and to me and to everyone is that, you can free yourself from that pressure. I do think that I have to try and learn this language for myself, but I also want my daughter to see that you can take on a big, hard challenge in the middle of your life's journey, and you can do it with joy. And I'm I'm grateful that there are others here like Bethany and Sara to pave the way for me and for my daughter. Keralassa. Oli Melkin Aina. What is this word? Can you pronounce that? Kes. 
kesää. Kesä. Keralassa oli melkein That's it for this time. Tina Toby is our sound designer. Alison Shaw manages our newsletter and social media. Thanks to Lena Evesti at the University of Helsinki and to Marjuka Kostenkova at the Finnish Refugee Council. Also to Alison Reed and everyone at the Linguistic Society of America. Subtitle is a proud member of the Hub and Spoke Audio Collective. Another Hub and Spoke show is Soonish from technology journalist Wade Rausch. His miniseries, The Persistent Innovators, gets under the hood of big companies like Apple, Disney, Lego, and Novartis that have managed to keep churning out hit products long past the age when most companies stop innovating. Check out Soonish and all of the Hub and Spoke shows at hubspokeaudio.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks to everyone who's rated and reviewed Subtitle. If you haven't done so yet, please leave us a review wherever you listen. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. See you then. Subtitle is made possible in part by a major grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities. Exploring the human endeavor. Hub and Spoke. Audio Collective.